Hello and welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manuel Galarza, and this is the recap show for Adesanya vs. Vittori Part 2. It just wrapped up a few moments ago. I'm recording this here at about 1.20 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to get through this entire card real quick, do a full summary, uh, recap where we were at before the fight, where we had our predictions, where we were right or wrong, and then upload this bad boy so you guys can watch the show. All right, we'll start with the main card. We'll work our way backwards all the way through because if you watch the fights, I think we want to talk about what's our fresh in our head right now, which is the main event. So Adesanya versus Vittori. Um, a lot of people were on Vittori with this fight, and in the first round, he had a nice takedown. You could start you know, seeing that he was you know, on a, on a certain at least path to try to find his way to get a ground game going, and, and that's his path to victory. He saw the Blahovis fight. That was what he was thinking about doing. Um but when it all was said and done, this was like a four rounds to one, maybe five rounds to nothing type of fight. Adesanya really beat up the lead leg of Vittori with a lot of lower leg kicks. Um, nobody was hurt. So unfortunately, it wasn't the most exciting main event. And yeah, you know, Adesanya's good for that sometimes. You know, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's, he's a technical fighter. You know, he tends to walk out the ring without much damage on his face. He likes to keep it at a distance. He uses leg kicks. Um, but Vittori, you know, I think Vittori showed that he's clearly like a top four contender, top three or four contender in that division, but he can't really quite beat Adesanya. And what it came down to was Adesanya was sharper, cleaner, landing more strikes. And when Vittori did try to take him down, especially later in the fight, he couldn't couldn't get him down. So we were on Adesanya uh, pre-fight. I didn't have any prop bets I like, but I will honestly tell you just for full transparency, as the fight was leading up, I did dip and dabble on some Vittori bets for by decision. I figured if Vittori wins the fight, Maybe takedowns, you know, by decision. And then I put some sprinkles on Adesanya by TKO. So neither one of those actually came to be. And so ends up just being Adesanya straight up. He was minus 275. Not a ton of value there. But if you were parlaying him like I was, then, you know, it was nice. It was nice for your parlay. So, all right, that was the main event. Adesanya is still the champion in that division. Let's move on down to the co-main event and Figueroa versus Moreno. And, uh, man, you know, this was an event where... Going back to our our, our, our prediction show, uh, we were on Figueroa. We f we felt like you know the champion would come in here. He'd be a little sharper, right? Because in the first fight, in our prediction video, I said how he he maybe just over uh, you know he just underestimated. I'm sorry, underestimated Brandon Moreno. So this fight, he came in you know full camp, both guys you know fully prepared. I thought Davison Figueroa would be able to come in here, make those corrections. He did have a fight in the past where he would you know, had a rematch off of getting like a draw or a close fight or something like that. And he really did a great job winning that rematch. I expected the same. Now I'm going to be honest with you and I've got to find a better way to get this information out, maybe through Twitter or, or do some kind of like, well, we're going to be doing a weigh-in show soon. So I should say that we're going to be doing a weigh-in show soon, which will help for this. He had a bad weigh-in experience and there was a bunch of red flags. A lot of handicappers were talking about it. I, I obviously caught wind of it like anyone else. He had a bad weigh-in, some stories about he was crying after the weigh-in. And like not crying because he made it, but just like crying because of the pain and whatever. And so then there was some stuff about he he was thinking about finishing the fight in the first round. He would knock him out the first round, that kind of thing. Brandon Moreno's tough. You know, he's, he's, he's a durable Mexican fighter. He's a durable kid. And so, yeah, that just rose a bunch of red flags. I actually placed a few little bets there last minute on just straight up Brandon Moreno winning the fight. He ends up getting the submission, though, which was... Whew, it was like opposite world. Davison Figueroa was one of the most, you know, dangerous submission artists in that in, in that flyweight division. He's very powerful. But Brandon Moreno, what I was saying when I first started this breakdown of this fight was that 
initially we were on Figueredo. That's who I thought would win the fight coming in here. But my heart was with Brandon Moreno. You know, I guess the Latin American in me, even though Brazil's not too far, right, but, you know, being Hispanic, being from Puerto Rico, knowing that there's no champions right now from Mexico, and it's, you know, Mexico's got a strong heritage in boxing and, you know, great champions. Viva Mexico tonight, man. Viva Mexico. Because let me tell you, this was a great, great win for Moreno. He was so emotional after the fight. He was crying in the ring. His, he, I, th I think his wife came in the ring at one point with one of his, you know, young daughters. He's got, he's a father of three daughters. You could just sense the humility, the appreciation, um, thought that Davison Figueredo was also so classy. He lifted up Moreno right after, the, right after the decision was made. It was, you know, a five-round. I'm sorry, right after the decision was made official that he had the submission, they rose his hand, and both fighters in the middle of the ring. Um, Davison Figueredo immediately turned to Moreno and actually lifted him up while he was holding the belt. Really classy move. Hopefully we'll see them fight again down the line. But, man, Brandon Moreno is a shooting star. I like the kid a lot. I thought that the first fight when they fought that it was, like, the best fight he could ever fight and that he caught Davis and figured it out, you know, off on an off day. And I was off. I was off on that because now looking at Brandon Moreno, the guy has gotten better. This kid's legit. He's the champ now. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to fight anyone else in that division that's going to be more dangerous than Davis and Figueredo. He just went two fights back-to-back, -back, first one being a draw, and this one here, he just clearly got the W. He ends up submitting the submission master in that division. So great win. It's not an end still situation here. There is a new – I was listening to um, one of my favorite handicappers or podcasters or YouTubers earlier, um, and that he was he – was, I think it was CJ – CJ Saptic, yeah, Cody Saptic, he mentioned that one of these two main events is going to go new, right? And I thought to myself when he first said it, I'm like, ah, oh, no, I, I think I think uh, Davison and Israel going to you know maintain their belts. CJ was right on point. Uh, Moreno's the new champion, so we were not on that correctly, though. Man, looking back on it, I should have gone with my heart, right? You never go never go at your heart with gambling, but I should have gone with my heart. So we got that one off. Let's move on down here to the other five-rounder of the night, Edwards and Diaz, and I'm going to get right to it if you didn't watch the fight. Four rounds and pretty much four rounds, four minutes, and almost like 30 seconds of the fight is all Edwards. Um, it's going just like you would imagine. Edwards is the cleaner striker. Nate Diaz is bleeding like a stuffed pig. He's got cuts on the side of his head, got cut on one eye. Um, the, the cut above the one eye... I think they stopped that fight for anyone else except unless his name is Nate Diaz. I thought in round three when that cut was opened up above his eye and then he had another cut that was on the side of his head. I thought it was a Joe Rogan. I'm laughing because Joe Rogan said the cut on the side of his head looked like somebody hit him with an axe. And it did. It was like a cut. that was like maybe a three or four inch cut. It looked like he hit himself very hard against, you know, like a like a door or something that would be, you know, have a long, you know, kind of a sharp edge. He got that from an elbow. Uh, Edwards was dominating. He was there. But let me get right to it. With like 35, 40 seconds left around there in the last round, Nate clips the hell out of him and completely gets Leon doing the shaky leg dance. And God bless. I love Nate Diaz. He is the showman of all showmen. I think he just earned himself like, 10 more fights with the UFC after this craziness that he did. But there's a but here. There's a little bit of a but. 
if you didn't watch the fight, he clips him clearly. And as as Edwards is like walking backwards and being, you know, like completely his arms are down, like he could just fall at any moment. Nate like kind of points at him like, ah, gotcha. And then Nate kind of like walks over to him like and then Nate kind of, you know, imitates him and shakes his legs a little bit. And we're all like everyone's looking at the clock like there's only like maybe 30, 40 seconds left in the fight. What are you doing, Nate? Like he's freshly rocked like you just you felt it on your fist. Some people forget when you're in the ring and you're fighting one one way that you know that you crack someone is not just the way they responded but you feel the pressure on your hand when you hit them you know when you're making solid contact so making solid contact nate's not an idiot he knows there's solid contact with that slap and then the follow-through punch he sees the guy wobble like what were you doing did you like not care about winning the fight was he that tired? I don't know. He just looked like he was chilling, like, this is what I do. I'm a, I'm a baller. If this was a real street fight, I could knock this guy out. He did. He, he could have knocked him out. He doesn't do it. He kind of, like, tries to close the distance. He does try a few more times there, like, within that 30-second window. And, you know, Edwards just, you know, he, he survives. One thing that came through on Twitter, which is so interesting, is somebody popped up on Twitter, like, well, I know who's going to win the fight between Leon Edwards now and um, Kamar Usman. <laughs> And yeah, right. You kind of all of a sudden start thinking, "Oh Jesus, Leon Edwards was was seconds away from just losing to old ass, you know, fifty fifty fighter Nate um, Diaz, and just almost got clipped." So just showed real issues there with the chin. Leon Edwards' face was clean the entire fight. He had not taken many punches. He had not taken any really punches or any strikes. He was clean. So just that one hit, he was wobbled, but. Yeah, we were on Edwards to win, but everyone was on Edwards to win. He was like a minus 560, 560 to 600. So it just made no sense from any value standpoint, even from like a parlay standpoint. One of the guys I like to follow, he put this on a parlay with like five units with something else. And, um, you know, initially it looked good, but the other part of that parlay fell apart. And it's just like, you know, I, I'm never a big fan of putting minus 400, minus 300. I don't care what the parlay is. Just find another piece because... It's just too much. It's just way too much. And look, it almost completely blew up. I'm sure a lot of people parlayed him tonight. I'm sure a bunch of people did. And when he got rocked at that moment, they just, boom, right. oh, my God, shit their pants. You know, that was, but that was so exciting. Love the fight. Thank you, Nate Diaz. Thank you. You're the godfather of drama in, in the octagon. The dude is just amazing. Fans were going crazy for him. Thank you, Nate Diaz. That was worth five rounds. So if you rewind to anyone Leading up to the fight was, why are you having him fight five rounds? He's not, not for a belt. That's why. Because you can't get enough rounds of this guy, Nate Diaz. Amazing. And, yeah, they probably stopped that fight for anybody else because the cut on the side of his head was bleeding profusely. The cut above his other eye was beating, bleeding terribly. Um, no one even – any. I don't even think they had a doctor looking at him <laughs> between the fourth and fifth round. They were like, no, no, he's fine. We, we all know Nate's fine. He's okay, so – just anyway, great. One of my favorite fighters, by the way. Shout out to Nate Diaz. Just great performance. Great performance. Moving on down here to Bilal Muhammad versus the old man here, Damian Maya. And, you know, I guess this was wishful thinking. I thought Maya could tie him up. And um, and I have doubts about Bilal Muhammad, right? So let me just hit this real quickly. I don't want to spend too much time in this fight. Maya's getting older. So he tried, I think he tried like 25 or so takedowns. Only got one. So Bilal did a really good job of, of, of defending the takedowns. Now, when we say 25 takedowns, some of those takedowns were real slow, lazy, just reaching, tired, uh, tired Maya. 
This may have been uh, Damian Meyer's last fight in the UFC, and if it was, it's fine. The dude's got an amazing career. He is a submission master. I thought that's what could happen here, right? I thought he could, you know, get on Muhammad, wear on him. He got one takedown in the first round. I think it was like his second attempt at a takedown. Damian Meyer got him down, and that was pretty much all he had. The rest of the fight was Muhammad with the sharper, you know, sharper shots, both kicking and striking. Had good energy level. Um, make a decision so at some point you can see Bilal Muhammad really alter you know his fighting stance he realized I gotta keep my feet you know I gotta be light on my feet I can't be heavy on my front foot he's gonna try to take that single leg because Damian Maia just kept going for the single leg again and again and again and specifically he kept going after Bilal's lead left leg and so you saw Bilal make a slight adjustment now I'm gonna say this and I, I this is not because I I bet a bunch of money on Maya. I, I had a very small little wager on Maya, so this was nothing to do with that but when I'm watching Bilal Muhammad fight, and I'm just I'm saying this because I, I was doubting him coming into the fight, and the doubts that I had about him coming into the fight, some of them I saw in the fight. He's he can be really slow sometimes, and you know Damian Maya is like oh 43, he's slow. I expect that from him. He's never been like an amazing striker. He's just a he's a BJJ guy. But there were moments where Bilal Muhammad was like really slow. Like I'm like, are you trying to be slower than the older guy? I, I don't understand. Like when I say slow, like slow punching projecting his shots and so I'll be interested to see who they line up Bilal Muhammad with I'm just saying at 32 years old he should be in his prime and I don't think he's I don't think he's like a, a, a he's he's a such he's a person I'm gonna watch into the next fight I'm gonna see closely who he's matched up with if he's in there against anyone who's decent like for example like like Edwards right him and Leon Edwards they fought before there was an eye poke and you know the fight ended up not happening no rematch like, if Leon Edwards fought him, I think he would beat him every single time, you know. So, anyway, it was a nice win for Muhammad. He was favored minus 230. I should have been a little bit more um, just, you know, I was a little emotional on this one, right? I wanted Maya to win. Old guy. had a lot of respect for him. And, I'm, and I just don't feel like Bilal is a very good fighter. So, I was wrong on this one, though. Muhammad taught me tonight. So, let's move on down here to Hill and Craig. And, oh, my Lord, if you... I got to honestly tell you, I had to like really look away <laughs> on this one a few times. Like I kind of saw it initially, but I didn't really see it initially because if you're watching it live, you're like, oh, he's going for an armbar. And um, this fight ends like in the first you know minute or so with a dislocated arm, which looks like initially like broken to the point where the arm might fall off. It looked like he had a, you know, like if you had a little gi joe man or some little figurine and you break at the elbow and it's like hanging by some kind of plastic that's what the arm was looking like and this was awkward because i'm going to tell you if you look at the at the replay the right hand of uh of of hill okay so if you can follow me on this one now jamal jamal hill's left arm gets tied up in this um arm bar the left arm then gets completely dislocated and looks like it's broken Okay, at that point, okay, Paul Craig lets go of it because he's like, I've already taken this arm. And if you look at the replay, he took the arm and twisted it every which way. He was shifting it around like he was, you know, shifting gears in a Maserati. He took the arm, shifted it, broke it all over and was like, okay, well, I can't do anything else with it. Let's I'm going to rip the whole arm off the joint because it was just gone. But then Paul Craig is holding Jamal Hill's other hand like he's holding it on his chest with his with his hand. Like, let's go of breaking that arm, then grabs the other hand. So now he's holding Jamal Hill's hand with one hand, and then takes his other hand, and he's beating Jamal Hill in the head. And you guessed it, the other arm that's, that's dislocated is just waving in the wind. It's just waving. So 
in that moment, when you look at the replay, gosh, Jamal Hill couldn't even tap. He couldn't even tap. Now, maybe he could scream to the ref and say, no, no, I can't. You know, I'm done. He didn't seem like he was freaking out or screaming. His one arm is wagging around. His other arm is pinned so he can't tap. Eventually, you know, Paul Craig, he, Paul Craig sees what's going on. He got one arm is broken. They're not stopping the fight. He's beaten, you know, Jamal Hill in the head. Eventually, the referee kind of sees that the arm is dangling, and then I think there is a little bit of a tap moment there for, for Jamal Hill. Paul Craig gets up and moves away, and literally, Jamal Hill's arm just, like, falls to the ground. It looked disgusting. My immediate concern for Jamal Hill was, did he just sustain some serious nerve damage? Because it's one thing you have an arm break. This was similar to the, the fight with uh, Souza. No, Souza. No, not Souza. Brazilian who had his arm broken. Well, it was not similar to that. You didn't hear like a loud break, okay? And the, and the silver lining in all this is that in the aftermath of this event, I guess right around the co-main event or so, Joe Rogan came in with some information from the locker room that it was actually just a dislocated elbow. And they probably determined that pretty quickly. They probably did an x-ray, popped it back into place. I actually had a dislocated elbow myself, and it doesn't necessarily... It looks a lot of different ways. I had the nice, huge, big knot on my elbow joint, which I saw that on the base of the elbow for Jamal Hill. I just assumed it was broken because it was just twisted all around. I didn't think it was dislocated. But that falling feeling and it being like kind of like loose and it was kind of like no life and your nerves don't work well, that that happened to me. And so I should have actually keyed in on that and thought to myself, maybe it's just dislocated because when I just get in my elbow in an athletic injury, I, my nerves were so shot that I felt like it, even though I was holding my hand here, it felt like my hand was like all the way over here. And I was literally looking at my arm and thinking, why does it feel like it's there? So I think as the injury happened, dislocated happened, ligaments got stretched, nerves got kind of moved around different places. He then doesn't have that control of it. So as Paul Craig separates from him, he's there kind of just holding his arm. It's just limp there. And man, you know, Jamal Hill has got um, some kind of, I don't know, tolerance for pain. When I sustained that injury, I wasn't screaming per se, but it was uncomfortable. I had a concerned look on my face. He was like maybe a look of shock, just kind of like, hey, leave it happen. It was really nice to see Paul Craig come over. If you recall this week, Jamal Hill got in his face in the lobby, a lot of trash talking. It was trash talking in a press conference. Hopefully that was just all in good fun. I tweeted out something like, you know, talk is cheap. And I just meant that in general. And boy, oh boy, that tweet, I'm looking back at that tweet. Yeah, talk is very cheap. Talk is very overrated. You know, that phrase of just watch your mouth is something that I always think of. Like, just let your hands do the talking. If you looked at this fight, you can tell that if they fought this fight a few different times, Paul Craig was going to beat him anyway. He had, this was like his third arm bar a submission attempt in that short period of time. This fight only lasted like whatever, less than a minute. But in that minute, and Paul Craig said before the fight, he said, this guy hasn't been in there with someone who's a BJJ guy, submission guy. And Jamal Hill's pre-fight stuff was like, I know about BJJ. I know what that's like. The guy talked a very big game, super confident from the from the giddy up here. I think they're calling Paul Craig the Bear Jew. <laughs> that's a funny nickname, right? Dude's, dude's chiseled strong, so much more stronger than Jamal Hill. And if Jamal Hill has to fight him ever again, he needs to go in there with elbow braces because he's going to get he's, same thing's going to happen. This guy's going to get his arm bar and then just deal him up. So Paul Craig came in here completely underrated, and I was on Hill right, and I was on Jamal Hill. I thought this little hype before the the fight, the little beef, I thought I was going to be able to get into you know Paul Craig's head a little bit. Um, the entire audience was on Jamal Hill. They were booing Paul Craig coming out. 
Paul Craig had this interesting blue face paint on his way in. They were talking a lot of shit in that. I think every single handicapper, yeah, anybody that I, I tail at times, I look at every single one of us, myself included, we're all on hill. So, wow. You know, and I had him in some parlays. I ain't going to lie. I ain't too proud to beg. Yeah, blew up some of my parlays. So that was the first fight of the main card. And that was kind of like a little bit of like a sort of signal of how the whole night went for for me. But uh, all right, let's move on down to the prelims, and then we'll give a quick summary at the end. But all right, so, uh, the prelims. Dober and Riddell, and oh my gosh, this was like a another one that was man. You know, I I thought Dober was, I thought he just had everything that you look for to win this fight. Like when you line the two guys up, I felt like Dober was a little bit more athletic, bigger, stronger version of Riddell. That's the best way I can explain it. And in round one, Dober catches Riddell with a nice like jabbing punch, kind of a straight. I don't know that it really hurt Riddell. In that moment, I was, like, jumping up out of my chair, like, yeah, get him, Dober. I mean, not like I had a lot of bets here on Dober, but I did have some stuff on Dober. And so I wanted him to win. He was minus 155. I was confident in him, and I was confidently wrong. Um, but what ends up happening is he does stun Riddell, and then he tries to pile it on with Riddell, and he hits Riddell a little bit. And so maybe maybe Dober gets round one. He probably went, wins round one because of that and whatever else. But then over the course of the rest of the fight, the three-round fight, Dober, you know, he's got this, you know, tank of a chin. He's, you know, his really, really big chin. He's strong. He can take hits. He just takes too many hits. He took too many shots. He took too many jabs. At some point, you can start seeing Riddell was landing the cleaner jabs uh, or just cleaner punches in general, and partially because Dober wasn't moving his head. And, you know, so this fight probably could have gone either way. It was a close fight. You know, I, of course, I, you know, I wanted Drew Dober to win, but it was right. It was right. Um, they were writing the scorecards. It was a unanimous decision. So um, for Riddell, it was a good win. You know, he was plus 125. He, you know, he came in here 5-0 and in his last five fights and 18-3 and overall. For Dober, he goes to 23-11 and from here. And it's like the rubber, the rubber is beating the road with Dober because I like him. Like, if you look at the way he starts his fights and he's letting his feet and he's athletic and then at some point you're like, why are you taking so many punches? Why don't you use better head movement? Why aren't you... You know, why aren't you using some more takedown ability? You have a wrestling background. So, um, yeah, he's the kind of guy, like, you want to root for him. You know, as, even as you walk in the ring, you know, American boy, and he's coming in here. Flip side, you know, Riddell does train with Adesanya and those guys. He gave a big shout-out there to, you know, his fallen teammate who he lost recently to that terrible tragedy over there, and so did Adesanya. But great win for Riddell. Um, you know, crowd was on Dober. I was on Dober. You know, USA, USA. They were actually chanting that. And unfortunately, Dober. Yeah, man, you got to win these, Dober. You're minus 155. You're you're the you're the main event of the under of the of the prelim, and just not getting it done. Um, but there was some people who were on Riddell or Riddell. There were people that were out there talking about him. So I went the opposite way, and I was wrong on that as well. So Anders versus Stewart, which was like the co-main event of the prelims. And um, a lot of people were on Anders. And if you just didn't overthink this fight, just simply looked at their initial fight, you could just say, okay, well, you know, he beat him that fight, so he was probably beating this fight. Now, when I say beat him, like, it was a fight that was determined to be an illegal knee by Anders. But leading up to that point, Anders, you know, had Stewart beat. Now, in this rematch, which was a really boring fight, this was at a heavier weight for both of them. They they were fighting initially at, what, 180-something. This was at 205 or whatever else. I... I just I found the fight to be really uneventful, not very exciting. Um, 
yeah, you know, there's it's just it was quite boring. Anders had clinch time. Um, he was able to get you know Stewart to the ground at some point. No one got hurt, so there was nothing exciting. Nobody took any big punches. Stewart, you know, I felt like Stewart was very much accepting of positions at times, whether it's against the fence or getting taken down. Never pushed tempo. Um, so, you know, we had Anders to win, and he was a minus-150 favorite. So that line was right spot on in terms of the minus-150 because it was a close fight, and um, and it was very uneventful. And, I, you know, maybe both guys came into this fight also wondering, hey, the first fight they came out, they came out like, like gangbusters, and it ends up being both of them start, you know, basically rocking each other, and it was just wild, you know. So, who knows? You know, maybe they both came in here just more cautious, and they looked more cautious. But um, Anders was minus one fifty. I had him in some parlays, so that was a nice piece, and um, everyone was on him. I, I think you know, maybe one or two people I heard out there were were fishing with that small underdog there at one twenty for Stewart. But Anders won. Let's see what happens with him. Curious to see where he takes this. Um, there are some limitations there, you know, that you can see that there's a football background. What I mean by that is you can see that his background is not specifically in mixed martial arts. There's something there, you know what I mean? If you look closely at him, there's there's stuff going on. So that could rear its ugly head here in future fights. And I hate to say it, but I would maybe look to fade Anders in his next fight, depending upon the quality of the opponent, and especially if it's someone who has a very good overall game. Okay, let's move on down here to a women's fight. All right, so... This was kind of nice. You know, I, I, I talked up Lauren Murphy uh, in our pre-prediction show. I thought the old lady, you know, 37, uh, only two years older than, than Joanne Calderwood, who she beat. But I thought that she could just do just enough. Now, if you looked at the fight and you were on Joanne Calderwood, you're probably a little, you know, you're a little bit upset because it was, it was, a, it was a really close fight. It was a split decision. One judge thought Joanne Calderwood won the fight. I will say that once the fight was over, I thought, you know, in my heart of hearts, I did think that Murphy won, but I acknowledged that this fight could have gone either way. Round two was the only round that for sure Murphy won. And that's because she got a takedown, kept Calderwood down. Now, in round three, I'm looking at the television, watching this fight, and I, like, wanted to throw my drink at the television. I'm like, why don't you take her to the ground, Lauren? And Lauren made, like, one or two, but, like, you know those, like, half-ass attempts at takedowns? Lauren Murphy's known to have good cardio. She looked like she was in good shape. Like, I don't know why these fighters play these games. Like, Lauren Murphy would have been better off, in my opinion. Now, granted, she won the fight, so she knows better than I do on this, and her coaches do as well. But, like, that wasn't guaranteed that you won that round or you were going to win that last round or that you had two rounds maybe before that last round. So, like, you got to go balls to the wall and go for a real takedown. Like, how many times do you watch these fighters and anyone here who wrestled in the past? I... I never wrestled at a high level. I wrestled as a very, very little kid, and I, my son wrestles, you know. So if you're going to take a single leg, take the damn single leg. If you're going to take a single leg and then transition to a double leg, take that. If you're going to just flat out take a double leg off the rip and, like, tackle someone, go for it. Commit to it. You know, this, like, sissy footing in and out of, of single legs and double legs. Maya did that for two and a half rounds of her his fight. Damian Maya was tired, so he sat there taking – half-ass single legs, partially because he's 43,000 years old and partially because he was gassed and partially because maybe it seems like he has no other way to take someone down. But you, if, you, if you've ever watched wrestling, the wrestlers who are obviously better at what they're doing, they're like sharpshooters. They're like cobras. They find their single leg or double leg and they come in like gangbusters and they get in there and they get their hands locked up and they get your ass to the ground. 
So when Murphy was fighting this last round, I'm like, damn it, Lauren, you're 37 years old. You definitely should know better. She made several small, basic, not really half-assed again attempts. Couldn't get Joanne Calderwood down. So when that happened and the fight ends, I'm thinking, well, I did think Lauren Murphy was going to win, but I'm standing to be corrected on this. And if she doesn't win, it's fully her fault because she should have taken her down in the third round. She should have made it clear for the judges. She should have at least got one takedown didn't do it. All right, I'm off my soapbox. Murphy wins the fight. We had her here as a slight dog, plus 117. And she was the only dog of the night that panned out. There was four, four dogs we liked. She was one of them. She worked out. And I'll get down to the other ones. The other dog that we liked was Maya that we've already covered. So and that was just terrible. What was I thinking? 43-year-old fighter who's slow. And you know what I was thinking? I was thinking I think Bilal Muhammad is questionable. I'll come up again in the future. Anyway, let's move on down to the next fight. And you know what? This one right here is the one that sticks out to me as as uh, as the most incorrect on the entire card. Going back to the prediction show, we were on uh, Hakeem Duwadu, and that was completely wrong. He got dominated here in this fight, okay? Um, the Russian fighter, Mazvar Evlov, just took took him to the ground. Hakeem had nothing for him. Um, when they were on their feet late in the third round, because they went to a full decision, when it was on their feet in the third round, um, Duwadu was, was good. You know, the Canadian fighter showed that nice striking ability. He's got nice leg kicking. But... And, and I know it sounds easier said than done, but like you got to work on your takedown defense. You got to work on your getting up. You know, like if you can't get off the damn ground against a, a fighter, and if you look at this, like, so is this the first time that Duwadu ever got taken down and could get up? No, it's not. Like, so he knows this is an issue. You know, you're better off just like, I don't know, don't even come into the ring. Just say, I, I you know, I give up. I forfeit. I'm going to lose the fight because. When Masvar took him down, there was no way for Hakeem to get up. I was completely off on this one. Looking back at the notes, it was the Lentz fight, you know, and the Lentz fight where, where Masvar won by, by a split decision. I thought, man, that was too close, and Lentz is not a good fighter. And that was the window I saw for Hakeem to maybe come in here. No, no, completely off base. And, and those of you out there, and a lot of you were, who were on Evlov, yeah, that was a, that was definitely the right pick. He was minus two forty, completely warranted. He could have been a minus three hundred plus because he had he was way way better on on every aspect of the of the game versus Hakeem. Hakeem maybe tagged him once, but even that, you know, Mosfar dealt Mosfar Evlov dealt with it well. The Russian fighter looked great. I can't believe I faded a Russian fighter against a Canadian fighter who's unproven. And if anything, too, Mosfar Evlov is also you know he's coming here fourteen to zero, so he goes to fifteen to zero. This one right here, biggest, biggest um, mistake on the entire card, not just because we got the pick wrong. It's just looking at the way the fight panned out and how good Masvar was. Yeah, big booba right here. Not proud of that one at all. And that was another dog that we were on. So we were on Murphy again, Duwaldu, and Maya, Maya. And at that point, we had only Murphy correct. Now, this is the last dog of the night that we were pushing. And that was Davis over at Kinzad. Okay, I could talk about this for a long time, so I'm not going to do it because it's going to come off as really salty and aggravated, and I don't want to be that guy, but I think Davis won the fight, just plain and simple. And I don't think it because I have a feeling in my belly and I'm, you know, whatever. Bottom line is she had more strikes. She landed more significant strikes, and the leg kick department, she had 23 leg kicks landed, and Kianzad had one leg kick landed. 
Now, I don't know. I think the judges do not see those stats. The judges do not see, like, the significant strikes numbers, and they don't see the bunching, the hinching, whatever. They don't see those numbers. They can't see leg kicks, whatever. They should. But if you win the leg kicking aspect of the fight 23 to 1, and you win the significant strikes, whatever the number was, she, it, was, a, it, was a, it was a big margin. It was, like, 20, 20 strike difference. So it wasn't close in terms of who had more significant strikes. And in the second round... Davis gets a leg sweep. Okay, Davis kicks Kianzad. Kianzad falls completely to the ground, is on her back. So then Davis walks over to her, engages with the legs, then gets starts pounding her from the top, trying to land not like not a bunch of hits, but just a few strikes, and then actually finishes the round on top of Kianzad. I say this because when the judges' scorecards come out and they're like. 30-27, I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay, yeah, I, I thought Davis won, but 30-27, 30, like, whatever, 29-28, and on all for decision for Kianzad, I'm like, what the, are you kidding me? There's not many moments when I'm watching a card where I get this much of a, like, disgusting taste in my mouth. I have no explanation for this except for the, the idea that this was just fixed. And I don't like using that word. I don't throw that around very often. But this stinks. Like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Look at the numbers. They don't make any sense. There's no way that Kianzad wins that fight. And not to mention, there's no way she would win it 30-20. Like, if she won by a split decision, I would acknowledge that, like, okay, you know, but 30-27, like, for real, man. Look, anyway, that was a close fight, I guess. But I saw Davis had the more more notable moment in the second round. And when you go to the numbers, she clearly had, you know, the more activity, more strikes. I think she got completely robbed right there. The 36-year-old Davis was an underdog at plus 162. That's who I chose to win the fight. She lost. Kianza gets the win. For Kianzad, I'm happy for her. She looked really happy after the fight. She was a minus 205 coming in. A lot of people were on her. A lot of people were parlaying her dangerous right because if you if you were on her and you watched the fight and you're just being honest with yourself good decision comes up and they announce that 30 27 you're probably thinking like i was thinking like oh davis won. wow that was a big margin though no way so just really terrible oh man not much else i could say about that i was disappointed in that not because again because of how much i i, I bet on this fight i think i had one unit on on davis so it was nothing big but it was just the fact that I thought she won, you know, clear as day. And it's a shame. All right, let's move on down to Frivola and McKinney. And this one right here. So it was a late addition, late, you know, changes to the fight. Frivola was supposed to fight somebody else. Last minute change was McKinney. And I didn't do like a thorough breakdown, but I did offer <clears throat> the prediction video that I thought if you're going to choose anything in this fight, just do a dog or pass because McKinney is live. You know, he's crazy story he's come back from a lot of stuff like he died twice in like police custody he was tased and just a really wild wild story this guy's got he's like a, a cat right nine lives he's only used up two so he's got seven more left and this guy's coming in here with you know he's got he's got like i said he's got interesting background and for vola was the minus like 305 favorite and i'm thinking to myself like okay i get it it's last minute but you can't take the last minute thing it's not the same for every fighter like, he he fought like a week and a half ago, eight days ago or something, McKinney. So he's in fighting shape, you know, and if he was thinking that he may be called up for this fight because he probably had an idea that if there was some pull, you know, somebody pulled out last minute an injury, 
if he was smart, he was in shape and waiting for it, you know? So in any case, um, our advice was dog or pass in this situation. And this was nice because I was on the dog. McKinney comes in first two punches, a straight left, like jab, right, straight cross completely starches from Bola. Rivola falls down like a suitcase. McKinney jumps on top. A few, you know, simple strikes. The referee steps in. That's it. One of the fastest KOs you're ever going to see in MMA. And, man, Rivola, it was like, oh, my God. I, again, I wasn't on him. He was minus 305. I know some people parlayed that. I know people were talking about parlaying that. And I was like, nah, I don't want to part of that because it's, it's also minus 305. It's a lot, you know. Um, I'm sure people parlayed that with, like, Hill tonight. Oh, my God. God, you know what I mean? So, yeah, just awful for 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 Vola. I mean, this fight lasted like twenty seconds, so you can't really break. There's not much to break down here. There is one other part we gotta get to. That's the knee injury that uh, McKinney suffered after the fight, which is oh my gosh. So, yeah, for Favola, I mean, dare I say there's a chin issue? I hope there isn't, but that was a really bad knockout from just really one punch, and uh, it's never a good sign. So hopefully he bounces back. He's only thirty-one, so he's got some time. He is only like eight and what three and eleven fights. So for McKinney, <laughs> you're like, man, I just went in here, amazing knockout. He jumps up on top of the cage to celebrate. Jumps off the cage and looks like I'm not a doctor. I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. Looks like he might have like torn his ACL or something. Yeah, I just said that. He jumps off the cage to celebrate. Like, does something to his knee. It's bad because you can see, like, he immediately clutches his knee. So if you can imagine the scene, <laughs> the other the other guy is, like, being helped to his feet because he's just been knocked out. And he's protesting, like, no, I was fine. You know, you know so Favela's, like, walking around, like, oh, I was okay. And, you know, McKinney's over here all celebrating, jumps off the top of the cage. Oh, hurts his leg. He's holding his knee. Can't even, like, when they go to raise his hand after the fight, he can't even put any weight in the knee. He tells the, you know, post-fight interviewer, Rogan, he says, oh, no, I just got to go, like, stretch it out. I'm like, the hell you have to stretch that out. I think you just tore your ACL celebrating after the fight. Like, complete meathead. So there's his third life, right? So he's a cat with nine lives. He's already used three of them. Got tased and got, died twice in police custody. Now he decides to tear up his knee. I, I heard Joe Rogan saying things like he blew out his knee. Don't don't say that. Like, d people don't even know what that term means, by the way. And if you don't know what that term means to blow out your knee, look it up, okay? To blow out your knee, it's it's not very common, okay? People sustain all kind of knee injuries all the time. There's meniscus tears. There's ACL tears. There's, you know, patella tears. There's chip bones. There's all kind of shit you can do to your knee. But blowing out your knee, if you need to look it up, look up what that term means. It's basically tearing every single ligament in your knee, you know, maybe even sustaining a break in there as well. That's what a complete blowout is, okay? It's not – so many people shouldn't throw that term around like it's just nothing. But what I did see, it looked like he tweaked the knee enough that he possibly had some kind of ligament damage there. So, anyway, let's uh, – that was a crazy one. That was, it lasted just like 15 seconds. So, good for McKinney. I'm happy for him. I really hope that he's right. He has to just stretch out the knee a little bit. <laughs> All right, let's move on down to Peterson and Hooper. Um, we were on Peterson. This was nice because this this was a four fight like winning streak to open the car. The prelims like, we were hot there to begin, and then woof, it started cooling off quickly. But so I like Peterson pre fight, but I said Peterson sloppy, slow. He's got some technical issues. I didn't necessarily see that in this fight. It was like a better, sharper version of Peterson. He was 
on the ground with Hooper, which was crazy because you're like, what are you doing, man? You're going to get you know heel lock or something. And, and Hooper was always looking for submissions. Hooper does this thing, and it's such a bad formula for winning MMA fights, but he's in a clinch with with, with Peterson on the feet, and Hooper will just fall to his back and, and welcome the being on his back and pull Peterson into guard. He did it a few times, and it never worked out for Hooper. He still continues to look very uncomfortable on his feet, has nothing behind his punches. I compared him in the prediction show to Jordan Levitt, and that's kind of what you got here. Um, it was very similar to that. But Peterson, the one thing Peterson did that we didn't expect was not only was he a little bit better striking, he got in the ground with Hooper, dominated position on the ground, was able to transition from position to position, looked a lot better, got the win. And if you look at the line before the fight, Peterson was a minus 115, 10, year, 10 years older, 31, versus Hooper, who's 21. And looking at the fight, it was never even close. All right, so Hooper drops 10-2. and two. Peterson, I don't know much. I don't know how much you get from this fight other than the fact that he beat a young prospect who's very unproven, who has to change his game if he wants to have a, a career in MMA. He can't just keep going for submissions. He's got to find a way to strike. Um, and for Peterson, we'll see. Maybe he's going to have a step up in competition. He moves to 3-3 in his last six fights. Uh, we'll see. But it was good enough for the victory. I thought our prediction on this was right in that Hooper couldn't match the physicality of Peterson. Peterson was stronger. He was able to dominate position. He was able to defend himself against the submissions and dare I say Hooper is maybe just not UFC material right now um hate to say it the crowd was behind him the crowd was like you know chanting Hooper Hooper he's got that nice big curly hair but uh no nah, man not ready not ready for this stage yet not ready for this show so let's move on down to the second fight of the night and that was oh boy yeah there's another one where my eyes just got big because um this is Ferris Zion versus Luigi Ventramini and um, I was on Zion. Now, initially when the fight first was announced, Zion was like a plus 150-ish dog. And watching the film broke it down, and I was on Zion. I thought it was a good pick. I had him as, a, as one of the dogs to get on. But within two days or so of the fight actually kicking off, the numbers had shifted, and now Zion was around a 150, minus 150 favorite, with Vendramini being about a 115 to 120 dog. And I didn't change my mind on that. I felt like, you know, Zion was the right pick. He was technical. And so this fight, this fight is funny. Man, if you're looking at the first round and a half, two rounds, it's going really, really well for Zion. You see he's got technical striking, got long legs. He's, he's you know, f you know fainting a lot. Um, he's got like this Israel Adesanya sort of um, posture where he's active, leg kicks. He just looks good, and uh, Benjamini looks just outclassed. He can't keep up with him, and everything's going fine. And then in the third round, all hell breaks loose. Breaks loose. At first, when I'm watching it, at first, I thought that Benjamini landed something. I thought he landed like a punch. I'm like, did I miss something? Like, because all of a sudden you see Zion like running and backing up against the cage, and then, and then he trips on the floor, like kind of trips. Well, not on the floor, but trips on the edge of the cage and then falls on the floor. Like he gets up like he's panicked. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Okay, so the whole round goes by and he survives it. And clearly the last round goes to Luigi. And you're just like, I hope that wasn't a 10-8 round. Um, I'm so glad for us. Survived it. He didn't look great. He was backing up. But it's when they show some of the replays after the fight. And they show the replays and you realize he didn't even really get hit. He just got scared that Luigi was coming forward on him. 
And so he couldn't deal with it. And so when he's backing up, then he trips and falls. And instead of like getting up and being like, all right, he like gets up. He's like, run, he's like scared. He's like really terrified. Couldn't figure it out. And then if you look at the punches that Luigi landed in that exchange, it was like side of the hand, like over here, or like hitting him here, or like top of the head. It, it wasn't like a punch, clean punch, like crack across the chin. He didn't get hit with any of that. So. I'm just going to say this. I'm very thankful that Faraz Zayim won the fight. Super thankful because I had him in a few parlays, and this was a rough night. We finished 8-6 and six overall in the pick so eight winners and six you know, six losers. But with fights like the Duwaldu fight and the and, – and the, uh, and the uh, oh, that was the one that really I had off was – yeah. But anyway, the point is in this card, wherever I could try to find a dub, <laughs> I was I was looking for a dub at this point. So – Happy to get the win there with Zion. Um, in future, though, looking at who he fights next, this this fight right here, I have notes in the fight. I always keep notes on these fights and how they work out. I'll be looking probably to fade him because that was alarming what happened there. If you're any kind of a decent striker and you just simply push tempo against him, he just gets so uncomfortable. Like, he'll just, he'll, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. That was very, very awkward. So, Anyway, he uh, he went to decision there. It was a majority decision. So I think one judge had it 28-28 as a tie, and then uh, two judges had it for Farazim. And actually, if you heard that fight get announced, if, when they announced the score, super shady. Like, the announcer was like, uh, Judge uh, Joe Bob has it uh, 29-28 for Farazim. Uh, judge uh, Tim Johnson has it... Um, 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 Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, Judge Tim John is like, what is what's going on here? Why is he why is he not sure what the score is? And then all of a sudden they announce it basically two two judges have it for ZM and one judge has it for a tie between Luigi him and Luigi. So anyway, that's that fight. Nothing really exciting. I don't know what's gonna happen here with Luigi going forward, but I do think I'll be fading for us. So I am moving forward because that was not a good look. That's not a good look. Alright, so in the first event of the night, the first fight of the night, you had heavyweights, Carlos Philippe and Jake Collier. Um, There's not much to say here, guys. It was a really boring fight. I like that Carlos Philippe was trying to pump the crowd up. You know, he was like, yeah, come on, guys, you know, waving his hands around. You know, he made some gestures in, in the ring, you know, just to try to make it fun. And, and it was nice. I mean, I think even a few times, Jake, you know, Jake Collier even smiled back at, at Carlos's antics. Like, all right, you're making it fun. Um, Jake's best round was the first round. Landed some solid leg kicks. He does have a nice leg kicking game. Landed, I guess, a few punches more than Carlos. So maybe first round, Jake Collier wins that round. You know, if you're, I give, I give him that round. Round two is close. Um, they're both throwing about the same amount of volume. No one's separating themselves. I think Jake tries one takedown in round two, but not even close. So he just gets up, and Carlos did a good job of, of defending it. Um, again, Carlos, you know, maybe Carlos wins this fight just because he was more of like a showman. He was engaging with the crowd. He was, you know, trying to get people hyped up, you know, um, he was being fun, not being silly or disrespectful. He was just being fun. And so third round though, Jake is so tired that like he would, he would swing, right? And if he swung and he missed the punch or if he swung and he missed whatever he was trying to hit at, when he tried to get back up, he would come back with like a <laughs> reverse, like slap. Like, all right, I didn't get the, I didn't get the forward punch. Let me see if I can get the reverse smackaroo here. He did it a few times, and it was like a glaring sign of, dude, you're gassed, man. You're so tired. And I'm not talking about his physique, but he's gained so much weight. 
and it's not a good look. You're tired looking. I have I have questions about his discipline as a fighter. You know, knowing that he fought at a much lighter weight in the past years, no cardio. Philippe is not that good. So, you know, he make Philippe look decent. I think Jake Collier, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to say he should stop fighting the UFC. Just maybe tighten up, man. Get it, get it all the way together, you know. And Carlos Philippe, you got to win a split decision win. He had a lot of fun out there. He was having a good time. UFC needs heavyweights, so both guys, you know, they're going to have some more fights here to come up, and so will Felipe. But, like, Felipe has no chance of being, like, a top 10 contender as a heavyweight, I don't think. Like, there's no chance. He's smaller, doesn't have much power. Both these guys don't have much power. It was uneventful. The only silver lining here is that we did choose Felipe to win the fight, so that was nice, I guess, you know. We were on him to win. He was a minus 175, and maybe that was a little too high. Should have been more like a minus 125. Maybe we're going to almost have to pick him with these two. So, anyway, just a quick summary here before I upload this video. Um, going to go over the the wins and losses again real quickly. Adesanya keeps his belt, beats Vittori. Moreno is the new champion at the division, beats Davidson, uh, Davidson Figueredo. And the Edwards versus Diaz fight, super exciting, but Edwards takes a decision win there. Muhammad beats the aging veteran, Mr. Maya. Hill has his arm completely dislocated, disgusting injury. Minutes so in the first round, he loses to Craig in a pretty hyped-up match as the opener for the main card. Dober loses a close fight to Riddell. Anders wins a decision over Stewart. Uh, Murphy wins a decision over Calderwood. Evlov wins a dominating decision over Dewaldu. Davis loses a tough one. Arguably, maybe she got robbed in that fight against Kianzad, who beat her in the decision. Uh, Frivola gets starts 20 seconds or so, not even first round. McKinney comes in there and just bang, bang, knocks him out. Bang, bang. Uh, Peterson takes advantage of the young Hooper, who just, I don't know, doesn't have the skills to be in here maybe at this point. But Hooper takes home a nice, easy win for him there. Uh, Zion takes home a narrow victory over Benjamini and a unanimous, or sorry, a majority decision. And the opening bout was Felipe winning over Collier. So we finished 8-6 and six overall in terms of our simply who we like to win, wins versus losses. Not great. Um, you know, I don't like even hovering around 50%, you know, in terms – or 50-50. You know, I, I like I like a little more success than that. So looking back on this card, you know, the biggest mistake was Evlov. Thought we should have done a better breakdown on that. That was just, just off, period off. And, you know, Davis eh, kind of got robbed there, but is what it is. So anyway – that wraps up uh, UFC Vegas 263 Adesanya versus Vittori. I hope you liked the breakdown. If you were betting this weekend, maybe you were just doing something, you know, something casual. Hopefully it was successful for you. You know, if you were going hard and, you know, you know, parlaying some stuff, I hope the right parlays were falling through for you. I can't sit here and wave a flag of success. It was – I got to double check on all the numbers, but it's going to come out being – at best, probably a break-even weekend for me. So it is what it is, but I did have a lot of fun in the process. There were some exciting fights. Uh, Diaz could have made it nice if he would have gotten that win. It was so close. It was so exciting. But anyway, that's the recap show. I hope you guys did really well. We have a lot of stuff coming up here in the, in the upcoming week. We'll get these shows out to you. We'll get the information out on Twitter. Um, if you like the video, please hit the like button and subscribe. And again, best of luck to you guys. Hopefully you guys did well. A lot of winning tickets and have a wonderful night. Take care.